Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast we call The Fantastival, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, in the podcast, where I invite my guests to come on, talk to me all about their musical tastes and experiences, and they also get to collate their fantasy festivals, which I have christened Fantastivals. This is unbelievably episode 60. I'm so proud that we've reached this milestone of The Fantastival podcast. I'm really excited about the guest on this 60th episode. I've been speaking to him for quite a while. It's been tough to get a date sorted, but I'm delighted we finally have been able to make this happen. And I'm delighted to say, joining me, not only a bass player, not only a singer-songwriter, but in so many great acts, Cast, Shaq, Echo and the Bunnymen, The Hours, The Red Elastic Band. He's got a solo project called Aviator that we're going to find out all about. Ladies and gentlemen, it can only be Mr. Pete Wilkinson. Hey, hello, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for making the time um, to come on the Fantastical podcast. I'm so grateful. I guess just to start off with Pete, I'd like to check in with people before we talk about music. It's been a very strange last year, year and a half. So, mate, how, how have you been doing? How, how's life? Um, do you know what, Steve? It's, it's lockdown has, has been um, has been all right for me. I've been really, really lucky because apart from... Um, Apart from music, I also have you know, I have a part time job, and a part time job is gardening. So, I'd say a month into the first lockdown, a lot of the clients still wanted their gardeners to come round and garden garden their gardens, so to speak. So, after a month of um, yeah, after a month of spending a month with the family and, and in lockdown, I started work again. So I've been super lucky. And really grateful to just carry on working throughout. So for me, I've, I've I've been out. I've not been indoors. I've been doing my thing, keeping fit, keeping healthy. So yeah, it hasn't been as much as a struggle as it has for for others and for for, for family members and friends. You know, particularly people who who live in, in in flats and don't have gardens and stuff like that. So I've been blessed, Steve. I've been really good, really lucky. Thanks. And on the music side of things, Pete, have you found that tough in lockdown? Yeah, I have because during before the first lockdown, I was uh, I'd say maybe six songs into a new album, and it was going it was it was the fastest we'd ever recorded, and it was going so well. And then, as with it, as with others, lockdown just put an end to it really. So it will I'll finish it in I'd say in a couple of weeks, and because of how it's been recorded. I record in Liverpool. I call. I, I record with Paul Hemmings. You might know Paul. He was in the Lars and the Lightning Seeds, and he has a studio in his house. So I usually go up to Liverpool and record there. And yeah, because of lockdown, because of restrictions, because I wasn't able able to travel, it's taken so much longer than what it really should have done. I think we could have finished this within three months, and here we are. How long mm-hmm. is it? It's now fifteen months later, isn't it? Sixteen. Yeah. So, you know, but saying that, I think because of that, I think maybe this album will be better for it because we've had time, the, the moments we had recording, were, which would be odd days here and there when I was allowed up to Liverpool, I'd, I'd do a song, we'd come away, we'd think about it, we'd send it back to each other and we could see, we could see how we could improve it. Whereas in the past, I would just lay it down and go, yeah, that's it, let's, let's go with that. So... We'll see. You know, we'll put it out and see what people think. 
I'm looking forward to yeah. listening to that. I look forward to listening to that, Pete. So yeah. let me take you back, Din. You've been in so many great acts. How did it all start for you? Did you know you were also musically talented or did, did you have to kind of force it? It probably started, I was obsessed with music, even as, even as you know, right back to the age of, uh, of seven. I can, you know, the first single I ever bought was, was Loose in the Sky of Diamonds, but the Elton John version, which might not be so cool, <laughs> but I, I was just, I was just blown away by the melody, to be honest. And then from, I can't, you know what, that must be 76, maybe. 1976, but I had an um, I had an older brother, Steve, my older brother Ian, and he was very much into music, and he started bringing home punk rock records, and I remember him putting the Stranglers on, and boy was I just instantly like, what is that noise? And it was obviously it was Jean Jacques Benel playing bass, and I, uh, my brother said to me, we should start a band. And my brother was six years older than me. So by the time I was, you know, 11, he was leaving school. I was like, we can't be in a band together. But anyway, <laughs> he said he said to me, um, you know, you can't play guitar because I am. So you'll have to play bass. And I was like, yeah, I'm all right with that. I'll play bass. So really I've got, you know, massive debt to my, to my big bro for introducing me to music. But it was, but it very, very early on, it, it, he, he would just bring home amazing records you know i remember he um he was off to work and he i think how old was i must have been when when did when did closer come out by joy division is it 1980 around that around that period definitely and he gave me gave me a tenner well it wouldn't have cost that back then it would you know he gave me a fiver and said look when you finish school go up to the record shop and buy joy division album i must have been about 10 buying a joy division album because uh, he'd seen them the previous night, and I remember him coming home. He saw them with uh, supporting the Buzzcocks at Liverpool Uni. He came home and said, "I've just I, I, last night I saw the best band ever, and it was Joy Division." So the following day, he gave me the money. I went up to the shop and bought a record. So there was a constant stream of brilliant music coming through the house. It wasn't just punk; it was Joy Division, you, you know, Wire. So a real, real brilliant education yeah it's amazing what a sibling what a part they play in your life through speaking and asking questions similar questions there's so many people who say they were influenced by their older brother's taste or their older sisters and then how that leads on to playing instruments or going to gigs and then you get the bug so your brother was a major part in your life so when did you first leave your brother's kind of comfort of being in a band with your brother then and start going into a band with mates and start getting yourself kind of out there and known well, I mean, obviously, because he was much older than me, so he, he, he. I mean, not he's only six years older than me. But when, when, when you're kids, that's a massive gap, isn't it? So I had, I had friends my own age who all had older brothers as well, who would all do similar things. They'd bring home records that we'd all, we'd all hang out and listen to, and so I started playing music with them. I'd say as, I'd say, I would say as young as ten, still in primary school. I would have notebooks with the band names and, and, and what instrument they play, what we were called, and the list of songs that we'd written together. I mean, they'd be one chord, and they'd pl- we'd play drums on the bed. But it was it was all it was just super exciting. It's all I ever wanted to do. So from there, I actually dropped when I went to senior school. I kind of dropped a little bit. I got really quite into football, and um, but, but I'd say. 
sort of fourteen. You know, I'd say there was a three three year barren period where I wasn't I wasn't playing very much music. But then when I hit fourteen, um, I was still going to concerts. But I started really really getting very heavily in, into bands like um, like U two. I went to see U two played the Royal Court Theatre in Liverpool. I think I was thirteen, fourteen, and um, and I owned a Bunnyman actually. I, I must have, I, I saw them I'd say seven or eight times before I joined them. I saw them when I was a kid, so you know the, people might know I, I went on to join them, which you know, is it's kind of a dream come true, really. I, I'd, I'd say there hasn't been a period in my life where I've never, never not played music, really. So was the first? I guess the first time you come to prominence then is that with Shaq in nineteen ninety? Yeah, I I um so I left school and I did. I did a YTS, but the YTS was in was in theatre, so it was um, really I did this YTS to get my mum and dad off my back. I just thought I need to do something, and and still I, I was I was sort of flirting at that point with jazz and listening to a lot of Talking Heads and, and Brian Eno and stuff like that, and um, and Peter Gabriel, and then the YTS was coming to an end, and I just thought, oh man, what the fuck am I going to do? I decided to do a jazz course and I did this it was a three-year jazz course I did a, I did the prelim year and by this time I was 18 so I was doing a, I, I got into this jazz course did a, did a year of jazz the jazz course was brilliant there's a lot of people actually uh, who ended up the brass players who ended up playing with Shaq and uh, they're called the Wizards of Twiddly they were all on my course and they ended up playing with Kevin Ayers and and super fairy animals and stuff like that. So it was a really good year and a good crew of people who I, I, I was in college with. But after the first year, the college was kind of geared towards towards you playing either on a cruise ship or, or in, a, in a band doing pantomime. And I just thought, I'm not doing that. That's, that's not for me. I was introduced to the drummer from Shack, who had this flat round the corner from the college. His name was Alan Wills. Alan Wills famously went on to do, to, to start Delta Sonic. I, I'd go, at lunchtime, I'd go and sit, see Alan, sit in his flat. Alan had nothing in his flat apart from a beanbag and a stereo. <laughs> it, was just, it was pretty grim, but it was brilliant. And he did, on the stereo, he'd just have music on full blast from day to night. Anyway, he was saying, oh, the boys from Shack are looking for a bass player. Why don't you, you know... I'll introduce you to Mick and John. And he introduced me to to Mick, and, and within a week I was in Shack. And I think, I'm pretty sure within it would have been within three months we'd started recording. I know you well, and and um and and what became Water Pistol. So I, I, it was a real quick decision of not wanting to go to college anymore, and 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 straight into joining Shack. So yeah, Shaq were the first band. And in fact, Steve, uh, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. In fact, Shaq are still together, but we've not done a gig since two thousand and nine. <laughs> so you know, who knows? Maybe one day, eh? Maybe one day. I had we had Simon Mason on um, a few episodes ago, and Simon yeah, Mason right. from the High Town Pirates, very friendly with uh, Mick Head, tells some great Mick Head stories. Which yeah, is fantastic to listen to. Seems like a great. 
a great man. So from Shaq for a couple of years, leading to Cast, right? So I got to be honest, I, I love Cast. Cast one of my favourite Britpop bands from back from from that from yeah. that era. Um, yeah. So so what happened with Shaq was was um, it just you know I'm not entirely sure how how honest I can be, but 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 Shaq kind of folded in in it was at ninety one on on. It was either ninety three, I think. By that point, there was a, you know, there was a lot of drugs going on, and um, and it, it, I just very quickly thought this is going somewhere where I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a part of. It was getting quite dark, and quite frankly, it, it sort of scared me. I wasn't, you know, that's what was, that wasn't the reason why I was into music. So I left Shack, and um, but just before that. I'd done a gig with Shaq in, at the Pickett in Liverpool where John Power had seen me play. And I think John had had enough of the Lars and was about to make, you know, was about to leave and start his own band. And um, John got a message to me where they'd be interested in, in, in just uh, meeting up with them and seeing how it went. And we got together, played some songs. In fact, probably the first songs we, we played together would have been Sandstorm and Fine Time. So we already had those songs whilst he was in... Um, well, he had All Right, definitely, because the Lars played All Right, didn't they? They played All Right and Follow Me Down. So he, he'd, he'd already... You know, a lot of a lot of what you hear on All Change, he already had written well before... Well before cast were a, a proper band, so to speak. So it was, it, it was John, myself, and then various drummers and guitar players until we got... Until we finally got the, the you know the, the final lineup with Keith on drums and Skin on guitar, you know the rest is uh, we got our deal and it wasn't until Keith and Skin joined the band that cast really became a, a, a real unit. Yeah, yeah, massive commercial success, right? The first album does amazingly well, and yeah, for, you know I think it was the, at the point if I remember rightly it, from my cast newsletters that I used to get when you used to get posted information. The best debut selling album on Polydor Records at the time. Yeah, I mean, I, that's mental. Yeah, I forgot about that, Steve. But it was, it was. I think it was the fastest. You know, with the, the reason why we went to the sides of Polydor was because of because of Hendrix and the Who and and you know all those those bands that that cast were very very much into. So to so to sort of get that was um, was mind blown and a real you know a real honour. Yeah. yeah. I bet that was. I bet it was. I cut the first incarnation of Cast lasts for roughly about nine, ten years. So then that kind of comes to an end. I think after four albums, it was. And yeah. So how after Cast have been quite a successful band, what do you do from there? Then how do you kind of approach a new project? Because you're you're quite well known at this point that you can kind of do your own thing and be successful, or you know you end up in a band like Echo. Well, it's funny you say that because because I, I I really was I wasn't writing any songs at all. Jordan cast. I think that at the very, very end, when when we were doing Beat Mama, I'd started to flirt with the idea that maybe I should write my own tunes. But not Beat Mama. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Beat Root. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get my cast albums right here. <laughs> yeah, and and I think I think the the kind of shine had had, had gone off Britpop mm-hmm. at that point. You know, there were only bands like like Blair and Oasis who kind of survived it. Really, the rest sort of you know. But through no fault of their own, and I, it just that, that that kind of scene had gone. Yeah, and I'd started writing my own things, but within within I think within two weeks of of cast, 
splitting up. I'd got the offer to join Echo and the Bunnymen. So, you know, I went from one band pretty much straight into another. And um, they were bigger worldwide, Echo and the Bunnymen. So there was a, there was always, the, the, you know, there was always tours of America. We'd always go over to South America. So they, they were very, they were a, a working band and it suited me for a good few years, actually. Yeah. And during this time, you kind of developing your own songwriting in, at this point and starting to get aviated. Yeah, the I, I am because there was no way there was no way in with with Mac and, and Will. Very much, the songwriting is is McCulloch's and Will's. So there really wasn't a vehicle for 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 any of my songs within that band. Nor do I think that they'd fit. To be honest, let's say my influence are very very much Beatlesy, and they, it was really quite lo-fi. So when it was once again, it was Paul Hemmings who, who I, I can't remember where we, we we hooked up, but he he said to me, "What are you doing?" And I just said, "Oh, I'm you know I'm I'm kind of writing a few songs here and there in my spare time." And he said, "Why don't you come round? You, you know, why don't you come to ours?" He had a studio in his house. He he had Viper Records as well at the time. He said, "Why don't you come and record some songs?" And um and I thought, oh, you know, I've I, I honestly, and this is no disrespect to, to Paul, I just thought, oh, okay, I've got nothing else to do. Mm. I didn't, to be honest, Steve, I didn't really have much confidence in them at all. So I didn't have confidence in my voice. I didn't have confidence in the songs. So Paul was very much, you know, he was, um, he pushed it. He said they were good, let's do more. And finally, we, we got to 11 songs and he said, well, maybe, you know, you'd like, can we put it out? Can Viper put it out? And he did. So that's so... You know, a big, um, a big thank you to Paul, really, because he pushed it at, at the time when I wasn't feeling very confident about it all. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Sometimes you need someone like that to give you the push that you need to take things forward. Yeah, and and you know, still, still to this day, it makes Nick, the, the guy who looks after our social media, laugh. I've, I'm still working with him. I've a kind of love hate relationship with Paul. He hates some of the titles I come up with, but. Uh, He's very much involved in Aviator and has been right from the beginning. Yeah. So from Echo and Aviator, then you spent a short a short while in the hours. I did. Yeah. Was that before Shack or after Shack? I've got I've got it from my very brief research. Puts you in the hours in two thousand and six to two thousand and seven, and then Shack from two thousand and five to present day. Although, like you said, haven't played a gig since two thousand and nine. Um, I did join the hours because like, the hours was a funny one. I, I so I don't know if, if I'll, I'll, I'll go through it. The, the hours were um, were two guys called Anthony Gem and Martin Slattery, and Martin and Ants. Martin is a big friend of Jarvis and and was very much on that London scene. And he he played. He would occasionally play guitar with Pulp, and he played guitar with Elastica. And Martin was also a musician and he played in Black Grape and I think after Black Grape Martin came to London and hooked up with Anthony and they started playing with Joe Strummer and Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros and I think I don't really know what happened there but anyway they they started writing their own songs Martin and Anthony and um, ended up doing an album and I, I actually met Anthony on the street one day just walking and he because I'd seen him through the Britpop days and, and, and he'd come to gigs and he'd be backstage. And again, is um, 
you know, he's best mates with David Hurst, he's best mates with Noel, he's, he's big mates with everybody. Oh no. <laughs> so he was starting a band and asked, in, in fact, first I played football with him, I played five aside with him first. Hmm. Then he was uh, he was starting his band and asked, would I be interested in playing guitar? And because I'd moved to London at that point, I was like, yeah, I just wanted to play some music and ended up playing with them. What was it for two years, maybe two, years, two or yeah. three? Years. I got it two years. Yeah, I was really good at times. Really enjoyed it. Did like Jules Holland with them. I can't remember. I know we played with Jarvis, and I can't remember very much about it. No. But I enjoyed it, and I'm still friends with Martin, and 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 he lives in the next road to me, so I see him quite a lot. Yeah, nice. And then, like mm. you said, back in Shack, and then Cast kind of reformed, and you was back in Cast for a couple of years. Yeah, Cast reformed in 2011. We did an album, Troubled Times, with John Leckie. The Reformation tour was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. it was so lovely to do. It's great to hook up with the boys again. And then we did the album with John Leckie, Troubled Times, which, again, I really enjoyed. And then, um, yeah, I, I, I just got into a bit of trouble by that point in, I'd say, is it 2014? And wasn't really enjoying the music, wasn't enjoying being in a band, wasn't enjoying myself, really, at all. So I think they were better off without me, yeah. Yeah, and it was just decided that I should go home and and I've not been back since. <laughs> but you know that doesn't mean to say I'm I'm still I'm still big friends with with Keith the drummer. Still talk to Skin. Still see John occasionally. You, you know it's all it's all good. Still very much friends. So there was no bad feeling really. That's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Nice to hear. It's like amicable and you're still friendly. And I guess since that point, then I've got you down as playing on Michael Head and the rest. And the Red Elastic Bands album, more Aviator albums, a David Boone album, a Michael Blythe yeah. album. So still very much involved and still like push like out there. Yeah, I, um, it's I don't really know anything else, Steve. You know, most of the time I sit I sit after dinner, I'll sit in the kitchen and play guitar. Don't really watch telly. It's just it's something I don't really. What's the word? I don't. I don't have much control over it. Just is what I am. So music is 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 a part of me and always will be. Yeah. I guess this might be quite an obvious question, but you've kind of mentioned like Beatles and and influences. Is that where your heart lies? Is that the type of music you're into? That kind of old old school '60s sound, or is there any other genres that, that you're into? It's quite funny that because because with with cast you know John was very much into the Who and Captain Beefheart and Zepp and and Zeppelin and all that sort of stuff. But me, I was I was really more into stuff like uh, Susan the Banshees, the Stranglers, the Cure. I, I was the I was I suppose I was the goth <laughs> <laughs> in um, in cast, the black sheep in cast, yeah. But no, that that's that was I was more the clash, more that type of that had more of a, an effect on me than than the sixties. It was more more punk, more seventies with me, definitely. Is there anything at the moment that you're listening to? So I always like to find out what my guests are listening to, whether that's a new artist at the moment or whether you've gone back and found something. So it's the year since I recorded with a guy called Jason Ringenberg, who was in Jason and the Scorchers, who were like this mad country punk American, and it's loud. And it fuses yeah. all this great stuff together. So recently, I got back into that. What 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 are you listening to at the moment? What well, you know? What I'm going to have to look at my phone because I, because I am listening to something. I'll tell you 
it's a guy called I'm always always listening to Brian Jones Sound Massacre I always listen to, to him I always listen to Spiritualized but at the moment where is it you might know this the, it's, it's a guy called Chevelle Sombre right and he does these I'll, I'll spell it out for you it's C-H-E-V-A-L S-O-M-B-R-E and it, he's done these two albums that are just acoustics with, with quite kind of atmospheric noises behind it. Sonic Boom, the guy who was in Spaceman 3, who's, who's produced it. And um, he's got this kind of really whispery, wistful voice. And it's, it's quite stoner music. Mm. Not that I do any of that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I'm listening to him. What else have I listened to? Why have I bought at the moment? Oh, man, I'd have to run downstairs. But I'm always, you know what, I always go back to stuff like Radiohead as well. Always listening to them. I'm going to kick myself, aren't I, about this? We can come back to it later what, if you want. I tell you what I do quite like the Michael Kuanuka album. I mean, that's brilliant. And I, I love the um, it's Inflow, the producer. Yeah. Just really, really brilliant. And he's done Lit Sins as well. And there's some amazing tunes by her that I think is brilliant as well. That are brilliant, rather. But yeah, I'm a bit of a bore, really. <laughs> my, my kids laugh at me because they play they play Radio One when I'm playing Radio Six. <laughs> I'm like, what is this noise? You know, I'm, I'm old now, Steve. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it happens to the best of us, Pete. Don't worry about <laughs> that. So, this podcast is all about you kind of collecting your fantasy festival. Are you a big festival goer? Do you enjoy festivals? I mean, looking back, I've probably seen you at many a festival that you've played. <laughs> Yeah, I do. And it's such a shame because I'd really love to play some festivals now because most of the time I wouldn't, you know, I never really enjoyed Glastonbury. I hated it, to be honest. It was just mental for me. It's just far too big. Um, but I'd really love to do them now. There were some brilliant ones I did in America with, with the Bunnymen and they were always good because the weather was good and, the, you know, they'd have brilliant bands on. They were always, always really well run. There were some festivals that I really, really didn't enjoy. And, and, and there was, you know, there, there, there were other things involved. So, you know, it might not have been in great shape. And the weather and all of those stuff, I think, play a real part in whether they're enjoyable or not. But then I've seen some amazing festival performances. I went to see Radiohead in Victoria Park. It wasn't a festival, but it was outside. It was outdoors. And it just blew my mind that they were just oh amazing, truly amazing. What else? Who else have I seen? Do you know what? I, I, I did a festival in, in, with Echo and the Bunnymen in Spain, and they, Arcade Fire were, were headlining. And I remember thinking, oh man, I, I should really make the effort and go outside and watch this. And we did. We went outside, me and the drummer Nick from the Bunnymen went outside and watched and found a place to, to, to sit down and watch them. And they absolutely blew my mind. They were so good. So, yeah, I, I've got a love-hate thing going on with festivals. <laughs> yeah. And what about gigs then? So, again, like no spoilers, but in terms of like your... Do, do you have a favourite gig? And, again, this can be a gig that you've played and every song that you've done, you've been like, wow, that's gone down so well. Or it can be... Again, as a music fan, where you stood there and been like, this is just the best gig I've ever been at. Yeah, definitely. There's a moment when I played with Echo and the Bunnymen, and I think it was San Antonio. It's San Antonio in in, um, in America, and it was a festival. 
and it was and bands like The Cure were on and Duran Duran and it was a stage that spun round so we were waiting to come on and we're, we're set up and we're, we're, we're ready to go and the, and, the, and the stage revolves and there we are we're, 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 it's, a, it's a stadium at 76,000 people the sun's just about to go down Echo and the Bunnymen come on on and we start playing and within minutes I knew that we were we, it was brilliant it everything just fell into place and as we um as we played the killer moon the sunset wow. it was just magical <laughs> and there was there's one point where I turned around and I could see Duran Duran the cure everybody at side of state watching echo and the bunnyman and at the very very end of it you could see everybody thought you could see the whole band knew that we'd done a, a really good gig and at the very end, Mac turned round, grabbed the mic and said, go on then, follow fucking Nat, and threw the <laughs> mic down and just walked off. It was just the greatest ending to, to such a brilliant gig. So that's probably that's my favourite <laughs> gig to have played. It was it was brilliant, yeah. That sounds such nice. Such a brilliant experience. And what about one that you've just sat back and just been in like your uh, like your version of heaven? Have you had any of those as a music fan? I've been to so many, Steve. So many gigs. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. Probably that Radiohead one I've just mentioned at Victoria Park. That was. It was. I, what album would that have been? Oh, I can't remember. But um, I, yeah, it, I, I remember. It would be Radiohead at Victoria Park, where I just thought, "Fucking hell, these guys are seriously good." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great and band. It, it, yeah, just the whole day was brilliant. I think Bats for, Bat for Lashes were on. Can't remember who else. Um, I've been spoiled, Steve. I've been to so many good gigs. I mean, Arcade Fire also, that was brilliant. That was a surprise. I think the ones that are always a bit of a surprise mm. are the ones that you remember the most. You know, I, I saw you two very, very early on. My brother, again, my brother took me to see them when they did the war tour. And that was, you know, I know a lot of people, it's kind of predictable, isn't it? But mm. they were so good. Yeah, they were brilliant. Good to hear. Good to hear. So that was a bit about Pete's musical experiences, influences, and some great stuff there. So thanks for sharing that, Pete. That was fantastic. So like I said, at the top of the podcast, the aim of the pod is Pete gets to collate his fantasy festival so Pete can choose any five acts, one of whom must play one of their studio albums in four and four his encore, all five acts can play any song together at the end of his fantasy festival. So it's very simple. Five acts take five time slots. So I always like to go back to the previous episode. So thanks to Lyle Kennedy from the superb La Club Royale. And he was on in episode 59 and he collated his LCR in the park fantastical at Ballardo Airfield where T in the park used to be in his opening act slot. Lyle had the view and had them playing their album, Which Bitch. In his super seconds slot, Lyle went for the Libertines, who made their fantastical debut. So the first time they've been picked. In his midway madness slot, Lyle picked the beautiful South, uh, which is an inspired choice, actually. Only the second time they've been featured on the podcast. And in the last two acts, made their fantastical debut. So in Lyle's pre-headline act slot, he picked New Order which is a great choice. So New Order made their first fantasy festival and unbelievably also making their first appearance after 59 episodes in a fantasy festival were the Arctic Monkeys who finally played 
a fantasy festival. So that was his lineup. At the end of his fantasy festival, he had all five come out and play I Am the Walrus to close LCR in the park. <laughs> so very simple concept. Uh, it's a very tough one. But before we come on to the acts, we need to give you a fantasy festival a name, Pete, and we need to give it a venue. So what would you call your fantasy festival? Uh, it'd probably be called Give Pete a Chance. <laughs> I like it. Um, I like what you've done there. And um, where would it be? It would, it would. It would have to be. Do you know what? It would be somewhere beautiful. I'm going to say Loch Lomond. Oh, it very would be nice. Because we played. I remember Cass playing with Oasis up there, and it was it was just sensational. Beautiful settings. The bands got to the got to the gig by um, by boat. So it just made it quite magical. It'd have to be sunny though. It couldn't be not rain. You know, no rain. So. Loch Lomond it would be. Lovely. You control the elements, Pete. So anything that you want happens. Yep. So it's a nice, beautiful day. I always remember Loch Lomond <laughs> because I went to Nebworth and Loch Lomond was either the gig before or the gig yeah. after. And it was on the same poster. So Loch Lomond always sticks out in my head when I think about Nebworth because I affiliate the two. Yeah. I thought, it, it, oh man, I can't remember. I think Loch Lomond was, was first, wasn't it? I think, that was, I think that was the week before. I think that was the yeah. week before. And I ended up missing cast because I went on the Saturday. So I saw Bootleg Beatles, I saw Ocean Colour Scene and then became a massive Ocean Colour Scene fan for yeah. for the next couple of years. The Manics, saw The Prodigy and then Oasis. That was an, an amazing day. And obviously you, you guys were on the day after. Oh man, that sounds good. The, the, the Prodigy and I, I really like The Manics. I'm a bit of a fan of those. So. Yeah, it was, it was one of those where it was the perfect time because they were just designed for life was like number two in the charts as everything was go was about to drop and the prodigy just released firestar and they were about to release fat of the land so you had these two acts who were about to really hit the big time on the support slot ocean color scene as well who were starting to make some massive noises and then obviously oasis with those first two albums so that would almost be a fantasy festival um in itself looking back now i'm sure someone would have that yeah Yeah. (laughs) absolutely So before we talk about the five acts, I'm aware that we've already spoken about quite a few acts and I'm aware that you've got loads of influences and probably loads of names in your head, but you can only pick five. Are there any bands or acts that you want to shout out who you love and who mean a lot to you, but for one reason or another, just aren't getting on the bill at Give Pete a Chance? Yeah, I, I, I kind of went through, there was a few, the, the, quite, a, quite a lot of punk bands, but the, I wouldn't call them punk. Um, and Wire. I would have had wire on, but I just thought mm, that's just a bit too, maybe a bit too underground. And also, Susie and the Banshees, they were in there, but then I took them out. Actually, Steve, <laughs> they, they got they got sacked. I, I'd have Flame and Lips in there. I'd have Brian Jonestown Massacre, uh, Spiritualized. Although they, he's been playing the same song for the last twenty years, hasn't he? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I actually read an interview with him fairly recently, about a month ago, where he said, "I've been I've been writing the same song for the last twenty years." So, all by his own admitting. His, that, you know. his interviews are amazing. I'll never forget when I can't remember what album it was. They were Spiritual about to release an album, and they went, "Oh, how did you write the songs?" And he dead straight deadpan. He went, "Oh, I didn't write the songs. They was all in the guitar." He was like, they just came out. He was like, I was sitting with the guitar and they all just flowed, like, they just flew out of the guitar. It wasn't me. Like, so deadpan on this, like, kids' TV show. I thought, this guy's amazing. Jason Pierce is amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sure there was other influences involved in that as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So give Pete a chance. Glock Lomond, lovely sunny day. We've talked about the missed acts. So let's talk about the acts who are going to make your fantasy festival in. So your opening act get to open your fantasy festival. They get to play from two till three. So Pete, who's going to open? Give Pete a chance. It's going to be my bloody Valentine because I, I wanted somebody who, who's, who's going to open it and make a real, real noise and be super loud and get everybody's attention, wake them up. Here we are, the, the festival's up and running. So, yeah, it would be my bloody Valentine. And Maybe Kevin Shields would be, you know, he'd either be on it or a bit grumpy or whatever, but <laughs> fingers crossed he'd be, um, he'd be having it. <laughs> An inspired choice there. Their first time on the Fantastical podcast after 60 episodes. So were you ever lucky enough to see my bloody Valentine? Did you ever get to see him to take him in live? No. Um, no, because they, they very rarely play, don't they? Mm. I think the last time they played... A couple of years ago, um, wasn't it? No, I didn't go and see them because I had a chance to buy a ticket and the ticket was, was like 80 quid. And at the time I just thought, is that too expensive? And now I'm really kicking myself. Yeah that I didn't go and see them at, um, what's it called, Meltdown. And I think it was, it might have been Robert Smith's Meltdown. Wow. So I'm cheesed off I didn't go. But they get to play your fantasy festival. So you have a front row seat lot Lomond. You could be standing there. They're going to play your perfect set list and they make their fantastical yep. debut. So Kevin and my bloody Valentine play from two till three. We'll take a half hour break. Then it'll be time for your super seconds act. So Pete, who are you going to have play in your super seconds act slot? Do you know what? I'm going to have suicide and they're going to do a half hour version of Frankie Teardrop. Um, <laughs> and it's going to be dedicated to Will Sargent. Will played me this track once on the back of a tour bus in America. And they um, he said, come and listen to this. And I was like, yeah, sure. Come on. Let's, let's. And it's just me sat on the, me and him sat on the back of this tour bus. He made an apple bong and, uh, we had the apple bomb and then he put Frank, Frankie Teardrop on and I just sat there like glued to the back of the seat listening to this tune with Will Sargent. So that would have to be, I mean, it would just be mind-blowing, wouldn't it? What would people think of having suicide on after My Bloody Valentine? I think it would work really well. Great stuff. So Suicide, another first for the Fantastical podcast. They're going to take your super second slot, play from half three, to half four so another half hour break and that takes us to our midway madness slot so an act gets to play for an hour in this slot so pete who's going to take up your midway madness slot it's going to be nick cave in the bad seeds i just think they get better and better and better and i think he could really they could really lead on to the to the to the next act really really well because it's quite I, I almost, I don't know if you saw that film that they did where they're live at Copenhagen. It, it's like a religious experience. It's so good. And he, I, I just, at the, at the moment, he's probably my favourite artist. And I didn't mention him and what I'm listening to because I thought it was a bit predictable. But I do listen and, and, and pay a lot of attention to Nick Cave. He does these brilliant, he does this newsletter where it's called The Red Hand Files. And, and you, he sends you, you, you get an email once a week where he answers questions from people who send in, who just send in questions to him. So he's um, very much a big favourite of mine at the moment. And I think he would whip the crowd up into a real fury for the next act. 
He certainly would. He's, I mean, he's, he's got such a vast catalogue as well. Is there something that you'd have to have him play? Because there's so much catalogue it, it available. Would have to be, it, it would have to be Stagger Lee. He'd have to play that. But but also, I, I mean, I, I'm really, really into, into Skeleton Train. I think it's such a brilliant album. It's quite a bit of a downer, mm. but the final track on that, Skeleton Tree, isn't it? Is, um, it's about his son, isn't it? to play that. Otherwise, yeah, it, it, otherwise it, he's not on. <laughs> he's not playing, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Great stuff. So Nick Cave so and the Bad Seas, take your Midway Madness lot. They'll play for an hour. So we've got three acts down, two to go. So half six to eight. We're going to have your pre-headline act slot. We're going to get an hour and a half. So, Pete, who's going to play in your pre-headline act slot? I, I, I wanted to leave this. I wanted these to come on really, really late, actually, so, the, so, the, so the, the timing might not work. But these would be my headline, and then the next act would be the come down. Okay, we can do that. So Absolutely. I, yeah, I'm sorry about <laughs> messing about with your, with your form here, but... It would, it would be so after Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, we'd have, we'd have, um, we'd have the Doors, we'd have Jim Morrison, and we'd have them absolutely on peak, just him out there swirling round, them improvising, just you know, Riders on the Storm, Light My Fire. I just think it would be so. I've never, you know, we'd, we'd, we'll never get to see them other than footage of them. And I think they must have been quite something to say, especially um, Jim Morrison. And although I don't really listen to them a lot, I find myself being mesmerised by them when I watch them. I love that. I love the fact that they improvise. It seems very magical what they do. So I'd like that in the night time. Just you know, it would be brilliant. Great shout! And the first time they've been selected for a fantasy festival, believe it or not. So Jim Morrison. And the Doors finally make a fantastical appearance. So they're going to play in your pre-headline act slot, but headline, give Pete a chance. So they're going to absolutely smash it. And then you've got one act left to come and follow the Doors. So you you need something to to gently bring you back in. And I thought it would would have to be Miles Davis. And here's here's the one. He'd play play Kind of Blue. Very good. to, To really, you know, he'd have to play all of it. And they'd have to be all members, you know. You'd have you'd have to have John Coltrane in there, otherwise Miles isn't he's not on the list. So it would be kind of blue, Miles Davis. You'd go on about one o'clock. Everybody would be, you know, coming down a little bit maybe, and then they come back on, don't they? Yeah, so, totally. I, I actually haven't thought of the song, but I've got one. Oh man, yeah, I've got one. All right. So Miles Davis comes on at one. He'll close, give Pete a chance and play kind of blue. And then he'll welcome back on stage at the doors, Nick Cape and the Bad Seeds, Suicide and My Bloody Valentine. And they all get to play one song then of your choice. I mean, that's a very skilled musically up there. Might, you know, what, what, what would you have them play all together then now that you've got on the stage? Do you know what I'm going to have them play? Imagine, imagine this, imagine them all playing the riff of Come Together by the Beatles. <laughs> Sounds awesome. So that would be it. And in the middle of that, a section, a half hour section where they could improvise. So it wouldn't just be the one song, it would be the, the motif that the doom, 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 doom. And then <laughs> in the middle, they'd improvise. So you'd get doors improvising and, and Nick Cave and, and all, and suicide. <laughs> and then BV making, you know, quite a lot of noise. 
just be be brilliant. Be bliss. That sounds awesome. Sonic bliss. That sounds awesome. Sounds like quite the jam will be going on on the stage. So that will bring your fantasy festival to a close. So I guess let's lock this in then um, before we change our minds and select any other act. So we got Give Pete a Chance, Taking Place, Lock Lomond, Opening Your Festival, Got My Bloody Valentine, Super Seconds, Gonna Have Suicide, Midway Man's got Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Headlining, but playing in an earlier slot will be The Doors, and then bringing your fantasy festival to a close will be Miles Davis, and he'll play his kind of blue album. And then for your encore, all acts are going to come back out and play Come Together and jam it for at least half an hour. That's got to be in the contract, the minimum of half hour, that track, if not much longer. Yeah, otherwise you don't get your face. <laughs> Genius. What a fantasy festival. Lovely Mr. Walkinson. So I guess before we wrap up then, we spoke about Aviator at the beginning. So for the next couple of yeah. months then, is it all about getting the album out? And then are there plans for you then to take it out there and to, to go on the road no what we what we do we'll finish it and it's going to be finished in the, in the next couple of weeks and, and because of covid we usually do we do a vinyl version and we'll print up x amount of vinyl but at the moment the people we use who are in poland are so backlogged mm. because of covid and, uh, and and restrictions and stuff like that that i think the album won't be out until early next year next year now will we go out and play it we'll probably do we'll probably do a full band gig at some point next year yeah if not sooner i mean i think you know there's talk of, of maybe doing a couple of shows in liverpool definitely this year so still undecided really steve but there's options i know i'm going to be doing a couple of um, acoustic shows with ian pros from amsterdam in november November sixth, seventh. Oh, you do in London? Yeah, in London. Are you doing Islington? Right. Ian Ian Prowse was on episode fifty. So yeah. I think it must be a Liverpool thing. I had Ian Salmon on episode forty. I had Ian yeah. Prowse on episode fifty and you find yourself on episode sixty. So I look forward to meeting yeah, you because yeah. I'm going to one of those Ian Prowse shows. So um I look forward to oh, meeting cool. you. So are you are, yeah, you, so are you supporting Ian in on those two gigs? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, so that that will be the, the they'll be the only London shows this year. So uh, I'm super looking forward to them. Yeah, that'll yeah, be great. Oh, well, I'll get to meet you, Steve. Great. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll be I'll be a massive disappointment. I hope I don't let you down, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> so how if anyone's listening and going, I didn't even know Pete was doing solo stuff. How how do people go about finding you on social media? So I know you're on Twitter, and you're quite easy to find on social media from my yeah. understanding. So you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, all under Pete Wilkinson, I believe. Or if you search Pete Wilkinson, people will find you. Yeah, that, and, and then the, the, there is an aviator, there's a Twitter aviator account as well. And I think there'll soon be, a, there should be a link to Aviate Records, which is our own record label. And we've released stuff, a couple of, Maybe four months ago, we did Tommy Scott from Space's solo album. We did Tommy Scott Quintet, one of his solo albums. We're about to put out his his new, well, an album he did some time ago, back in the 90s, with called, no, in the noughties. He had a band called The Drellers, and they recorded an album, and it never got released. And uh, we're about to release it, our label, Aviate Records. Um, so look out for that. that. That's actually a really brilliant album. Oh, I'm super excited about that. But you can find all the details should be on my on my page. But I'll 
I'll um I'll DM them over to you. Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll, I'll get those from Pete and we'll whack them into the episode description. So yeah. if you're listening to the episode, scroll down and all the links will be there. And in terms of people finding the Aviator albums, can you stream the Aviator albums or are they still available physically to buy? No, yeah, you can buy them on iTunes. You can you can um, you can stream them on Spotify. The the new one, the, the latest one, we're going to do will be on Bandcamp. So it's all up there. You can find it all up there. I mean, there's there's, there's a few bands called Aviator, so I'm not the one with the um, with the thong and the, the, the <laughs> you know the the, the blonde mullet. <laughs> there's another band called Aviator. I was like, oh man, no. <laughs> Genius. Great yeah, stuff. Really so, cool. yeah, again, I'll get some links of Pete and I'll whack them all in the episode description. So I'll make it easy for people to find so they don't have to troll through men in thongs and bright blonde <laughs> wigs. And on that highlight, that brings this fantastical podcast, the 60th episode, to a close. So if you've been listening and enjoying it and you're listening for the first time, give the fantastical podcast a review on iTunes if that's where you're listening or give us a follow on Spotify or anchor if you are on twitter uh this podcast is also on twitter at fantastical p so make sure to follow us if you're on social media and if you're not you can email the podcast at fantastical podcast at outlook.com on podcast unfortunately you can't play music it'd be great to have like musical snippets cut into the podcast but unfortunately you can't do that but i'll get some tracks from pete of his chosen acts and maybe a few other acts that he's talked about and work those into a spotify playlist and again i'll put all the info into the episode description so it'd be nice and easy for everyone to find so all that's left to say is a massive thank you for joining me for my 60th birthday pete i know we've had it in the pipeline for a while i'm so glad we we're finally able to speak how have you found like kind of like talking about music and creating your fantasy festival oh man i've really really enjoyed it and um, i'm sorry it's taken so long but uh, <laughs> maybe it was meant to be the 60th absolutely so, uh, steve thanks for having me really really enjoyed it thanks a lot man top man top man so i'll be back soon with episode number 61 so please make sure to join me but until then stay safe my fantastical friends please continue to spread the word and that word is fantastical thanks for listening (laughs) 